Fucking kicking ass on the church. Oh, you fucking. Oh. 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 Get some church, baby. Get some real motherfucking church. Like kids. Like kids. Like kids. Like kids.
So the party was going great. I'm standing in the basement and I'm holding a red cup. You've seen movies. And I'm standing there and I'm holding a red cup and I'm starting to black out. And I guess someone said like, something, something, police. And in a brilliant moment of word association, I yelled, fuck the police. (laughs) Fuck the police. And everyone else joined in. A hundred drunk white children yelling, fuck the police. With the confidence of guys who have like already been to jail and aren't afraid of it anymore. You know, that like, I serve my nickel, you come and take me confidence. But white children. The reason someone had said something, something police was because the police were there. So a Chicago police officer walked down the stairs and got to the bottom in the basement and looked out over a sea of drunk toddlers yelling, fuck the police, in his face. And he was almost impressed. He was like, wow. And then he leaned into his walkie-talkie and went, get the paddy wagon. And my friend John, who is now a father, this man now has a baby, he grabbed a 40, smashed it on the ground, and yelled, SCATTER! And everyone ran in a different direction. We all ran in different directions. It was like that scene in Ratatouille when the humans come in the kitchen and all the rats go in different ways. We all ran in different directions. I ran into the laundry room and I jumped up on the washing machine and I crawled out through a window into the backyard and now I'm running through the backyard and there was this big chain link fence and I thought, I've never climbed a fence that high before. And then I woke up at home. (laughs) On Monday, I went to school because that's what we did back then. And I'm walking into the school building, and who do I see but Jake McNamara? And he says to me, hey, were you at my party on Saturday? And I said, no, you know, like a liar. (laughs) And he said, things got really out of hand. Someone broke the pool table. Someone took a shit on my dad's computer. (laughs) But the worst thing, he says, the worst thing is that someone stole these old antique photos of my grandmother, and my parents are freaking out about it. And I had that thought that only blackout drunks and Steve Urkel can have. (laughs) Did I do that? I figured, no, I wouldn't have done that. But I was never sure until two years later. Relax. I'm playing video games with this kid named Alex that we also went to high school with. Two years later, we've graduated by now. We're playing video games for a couple hours. And then Alex says to me, hey, come here, I wanna show you something. And he takes me into his bedroom, and then he takes me into a side room off of his bedroom. Never a good thing to have. (laughs) He shows me a tiny room that is covered wall to wall in stolen antique photos from different people's parties over the years. And I said, why? Why do you do this? And Alex said, because it's the one thing you can't replace.
That's the end of that story, but how fucked up is that, right? That's crazy. So I don't drink anymore. We have a daughter now, and uh, so it's getting, you know, two-year-old daughter. It's getting pretty serious between me and my wife now, and it's, I don't know. I was living in New York uh, when my daughter was to be born. She was not born here, though. We flew home. She was born in Tennessee. I didn't want her to be born in New York, you know? I don't need her growing up thinking she's better than me. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was like, you start where we start, all right? No one gets a leg up in this family. Uh, it was wild. I remember, like, going to the, on the way to the hospital, I was, like, telling my wife, I was like, look, I don't want to see anything, all right? It's going to be gross. I wish it was, like, the 50s when they didn't even let men in the hospital. But it's not. Now doctors are like, do you want to deliver the baby? Why don't you do most of it? Uh, they just pull the baby out, and they're like, here, cut the umbilical cord. They just told you to do it real fast. I didn't take a class. They just act like I'm the guy that cuts umbilical cords at the hospital. I almost cut the wrong part. Like, you know, I don't know what it is. Uh, and they're like, that's not right. I was like, well, why don't you do it? You did go to doctor school for this. Why am I doing minor surgery right now? I mean, is it cheaper? If it's not cheaper, I don't want to do it. All right. And then they just hand you your baby and they're like, all right, I'll see you. Like doctors is like, doctors are so unimpressed with birth. And they're like, good luck. And then I, I remember the first question I asked, I was like, how much do you feed it? It seemed, it sounded like I was buying a hamster at a pet store where they, they figure it out on their own or the big message they tell you, they're like, all right, whatever you do, let's just try not to shake this baby. That's the number one goal. And they tell it to you almost like, obviously you're gonna wanna shake the baby, but. It would be just so awesome if you just did not shake this baby. And then I watched a video of a guy and he was like, here's what I do when I feel like I want to shake my baby. Like he was like, I take walks, you know, I walk. I walk about 70 miles a day. I walk a lot. I've barely seen this baby. And then I signed a certificate like I was in kindergarten that said, all right, I'm not gonna shake the baby. They quit asking me. I didn't even think of it till you guys brought it up. I've never heard the word shake so much in my entire life. Like that's all we talked about for three days. And the first night we got her home, I remember she was like crying for like six hours and you're like delirious and confused. And I was like with my wife and I was like, wait, are we supposed to shake this babe? Like, <laughs> was that what they said, dude? We didn't shake her. So I feel like I gotta say that. Like you guys don't have to call somebody. Uh, we have rocked her pretty hard though, but it's, <laughs> You know, <laughs> babies have to get a lot of shots, like a ton of, you know, ton of shots. And it's very nerve wracking to take a baby to get a shot because they don't know what's going on. Like you just take them into a room, they're like, man, this day's going unbelievable. You know, <laughs> what could go wrong? I don't think anything could go wrong. And you have no way of telling them like, it's about to all go wrong. It's, it's you can't even imagine how wrong it's about to get. So she gets the shot and we go to console her, ready for her to cry. Uh, she does not cry. She was just fine with the shot. Like everything was okay. And I'm like, my wife is like, you know, like sitting there, she's like, wow, this is a sign of like bravery. It shows that she's gonna be a powerful woman one day. And I was like, yes, it also could show she's gonna be a psycho. 
who doesn't cry when you get a shot? She doesn't even know what it is, and she's fine with it. I cry, and I know what it is. And I don't know if she's going to be crazy. I hope not. We're not going to know for a while. You can't tell right now. We're not off to a good start, but we can't. Maybe she'll turn it around. It's going to be like 18 years, like when she's 18. Like, or, you know, I'm going to be sitting there either at her graduation in high school, just be going, look, we love you so much. You know, we're so proud of you. Or I will be on the front yard on the news going, we love you so much, but turn yourself in right now. <laughs> Do the right thing. She can, she throws fits though, like a normal kid. Like uh, I took her to uh, Walmart to buy some toys. And so I was like, I was like, I'm gonna go buy all these toys. So I was like, I was gonna let her pick. Which first she runs to like, just like dog toys. And you're like, oh God, like, no, this isn't. I gotta like grab her and be like, she's crazy. People are looking, you're like, she's joking around. And (laughs) they're like, I don't, you know. You have a dog? We don't, but we might get one. Okay. Uh, so I get her, you know, back to the human toys. And I'm like, go ahead, just pick whatever you want. Uh, so what she grabs is uh, this little popper. It's like, I don't know if you remember, like from a kid, it's like you push it, it's got a globe on it. It pops like little balls. Uh, it hasn't changed, by the way, since you were a kid. Like that thing, the guy made it like 100 years ago and was like, no changes. <laughs> No suggestion box, nothing. He goes, this is it, and we're going to do it forever like this. So she's grabbed it. She's pulling it all over the store. So I was like, all right, I got to get that. But I don't want that one. You know, she's already used it. It feels used. I want a brand new one. So I grab a new one, and I go to I pay for it. And then I go to switch with her because I'm like, all right, this shouldn't be a problem. And, you, you know, reasonable person sees it's the exact same thing. So will you just trade with me? And then we get in a huge, like, fight. Like, a crazy fight between me and my dad, like, a two-year-old girl. And, like, it's almost like we were trying to prove we belong in Walmart. And... (laughs) I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, let it go, all right? It's the exact same thing. It doesn't even let it... You can't tell the difference. And, like, if she's looking at me, too, like, why don't you let it go? It's the exact same thing. You can't tell the difference. I got it. I got it out of her hands, though. I'm so much larger than her, you know? Like, I was like, I got it. I thought, I don't want her to win. I was like, you're not going to win this. And, uh, she, we took it home. She's not touched it since then. Like, I don't even know who won. Like, I thought I won. And I clearly, I've just bought something no one's using. It's our first kid. I don't know if we had a kid too late in life. Sometimes I wonder. Like, you know, I'm 35. She was, I was 33 when she was born. And like, cause you ever ask someone that has kids, you're like, when's the best time of your life? They will say before they have kids or after their kids move out. There's like 20 years they don't mention. And that's when kids are in their house. <laughs> so by the time my daughter moves out, I'll be 53. I'll be dead within hours. So <laughs> I've just pushed it too far. You know, like I should have done it earlier. Uh, like I watched that show Teen Mom and I was like, man, those girls are nailing it. Like that's what. <laughs> just get it over with you know no one likes junior high or high school anyway so just throw a kid in the mix wrap it all up if i had my daughter at 13 she'd be moved out right now right now she'd already be gone
I will be excited. Like I'll be excited when she goes, uh, like when she goes to school, like to do homework with her and stuff, you know, cause it's like bonding and it's not going to hurt for me to do one more run through. Uh, <laughs> just one more pass. None of it stuck for me. Some moments just call for a very specific song. With Amazon Music Unlimited, you can queue up the perfect track or create the ultimate playlist with ad-free access to millions of songs on demand. Plus, new customers get 30 days free. Renews automatically for only $4.99 per month. Cancel anytime. To get started, just say Alexa. Try Amazon Music Unlimited. Eero whole home Wi-Fi just got faster. The Eero Pro 6C is our most advanced Wi-Fi system yet. With Wi-Fi 6E and more bandwidth than ever before, Eero Pro 6E supports more than 100 connected devices and gigabit plus speeds. Did we mention fast setup and free US-based customer support? Eero is an Amazon company, so you can find us there or at Eero.com. That's E-E-R-O.com. Because whatever your Wi-Fi needs, there's an Eero for that. I got in trouble. This was a couple years ago. I got in trouble uh, for being too honest. What happened, um, we used to live in an apartment complex in Los Angeles, and uh, the manager was Miss January 1999. Yeah. She was- Alexa, volume seven. I just called her boobs. And my wife caught me looking at them. She should've known I was gonna look at them. I called her boobs. <laughs> She's awesome. Fellas, she had the type of breast that you just look at and you go, oh. <laughs> They're awesome. And that's saying something, girls. I'm not just being sexist, man, up here. Okay, look, I got a set of titties. All right, I can be honest with you, okay? I know what I'm talking about, all right? I'm not dazzled by a C cup. You gotta come with some titties, okay, to get me. These boobs, oh. What happened was, my wife wanted me to walk with her over to drop a check off, right? Anything to get me walking. And uh, she's like, uh, honey, come on, let's go drop the check off. Boop, boop. All right, let's go. Halfway over there, I go, oh my God, we get to see boobs as boobs. This is going to be awesome. Crap. What I did, for those of y'all that don't understand, um, I just ruled out any chance of getting to see boobs as boobs because I just made my woman aware that I was going to be looking at another woman's chest. Yeah. Not good. <laughs> So I went in there and I had to look from the neck up. First time ever. I'm like, wow, you got eyes. Who knew? Okay. <laughs> I had no idea, folks. None at all. Okay. She could have had a third arm growing out of her head. I would not have noticed the third arm unless it came down and tweaked a nipple. Okay. That's the only way I would have known. I swear to God. So I'm looking at it, right? And I'm. I'm <sighs> You're blonde? 
interesting. And I had to sneeze, and I had to sneeze up, because if I sneeze down, my woman knows I'm sneaky bastard like that. I look and check out her boobs on the way up from the sneeze. Okay, come on, bless you. All right. <laughs> and so I had to sneeze up. I was like, bless you, oh, oh. Don't ever do that, it hurts. <laughs> and so I made it through, I made it through, okay? I did so good, I made it through. We're leaving. Now, let me tell you something about my wife, okay? As well as being my, my wife, she's also a fellow comedian, and we travel together all the time, okay? So we're together all day long, okay? And a lot of guys, that'd be a drag, not me. I love my wife. She's not only my, my lover, she's also my best friend. Now, sometimes we have conversations like lovers. Other times we have conversations like best friends. I thought we were having a best friend conversation. Mm -mm. She was like, you think boobs is hot? Oh my God, are you kidding me? That chick is so hot, I'd bang her on top of you. <laughs> I had to laugh. I really just messed up, didn't I? Yes, you son of a bitch, you did. I'm going shopping with your card. Son of a bitch. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Damn it. Here's all I'm saying. I can't tell you where to go. I can tell you where not to go. Wherever they film the first 48 on A&E. <laughs> well, if you're not familiar with the show, here's what it is. Camera crews follow real homicide detectives for the first 48 hours after a murder. And the reason that that time distinction is so important is that after 48 hours, uh, True story, guys. they give up on that murder. <laughs> They're like, that's some old shit. What do you want to do today? <laughs> You're like, how about you keep trying to solve that murder, man? That shit happened on Monday. It's Wednesday. We're not going to solve that shit. There are so many amazing moments on that show. So many. A lot of the episodes take a similar path. I'm blown away, first of all, at how many times there's a witness to a murder. It's crazy. I always thought murders happened in dark alleys. Nobody saw shit. No. Every other episode, they're like, you see that shit? And I was like, I saw that shit, yeah. <laughs> Where? Right fucking here. <laughs> really, I was standing here, and then he killed that dude there. <laughs> what he looked like he was like five two uh to six eight something like that and like, that's the fucking description you're gonna give us uh-huh anything else about him yeah he had ears too thanks man no problem they still will sketch that shit out oh. and they show it to people do you know this guy and everyone's like nah then one guy will be like, yeah, that's cricket right there. They're like, oh, shit. You know him? I've been on cricket 27 years. What's his real name? Man, that's just cricket. I don't even know. Stopping white and weird. That's a perfect fucking impression, and you know exactly who that was, okay? Yeah, it's a black guy, and he's wearing a wife beater, and he's got on a dirty hat. He's got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. He looks like he's about 33, but you find out he's 76 years old. <laughs> and he speaks super aggressively to the cops. I've been out here for a minute! And they're like, all right, all right, Jesus. <laughs> okay. 
When was the last time you saw him? He came through with jellyfish last week. <laughs> they were looking for some smoke. And they're like, all right, Jesus Christ. <laughs> they always cut to the whitest detective from that guy, too. They cut from that guy to the guy who's like, I don't think he's going to help us out. <laughs> we're going to have to find Cricket on our own. <laughs> that show has the best moment in television. It's the most dramatic thing you could ever see. It's real life, and that is the interrogation. The interrogation is amazing, because here's the thing about drama. You want to have a great, dramatic moment, raise the stakes. Guess what? There's no higher stakes than somebody being questioned about taking somebody else's life. It's inherently compelling television. It is also super serious. But the detectives insist on using the suspect's street name, so the whole thing turns into a fucking cartoon. Like, they're literally like, your life is on the line. We need to talk to you. Why don't you have a seat, uh, little stank? Why don't you sit down for a second? Did you or did you not know Dookie Shoes? I don't know no Dookie Shoes. I got a picture of you hanging out with Dookie Shoes. I mean, I seen him. I don't know. And then they'll throw one bit of evidence against the wall, hoping it'll solve the case. They'll be like, well, we were talking to uh, Naameen, and he said that you were at the 7-Eleven last week. And he'll be like, yeah, I shot him in the face. And you're like, God damn, really? That's all it took to break you? Dude, lie. Lie for longer. You can kill somebody, you can't lie for 10 fucking minutes about it? Like, dudes will break on anything. They'll be like, we heard you had on a blue shirt last Friday. Yeah, I stabbed those four people. <laughs> Dude, a lot of people have blue shirts, man. You can still get out of this. Here's what I've learned watching that show, okay? Lawyer up. You can't handle that shit. Everybody's like, I'm going to talk to the cops and straighten this whole thing out. You're going to do 25 to life. Have fun with that, man. <laughs> Nobody asked for a lawyer. I've seen 300 people get interrogated on this show. Two of them were like, I talked to a lawyer. And both times the detectives were like, fuck. <laughs> and then at the end of those episodes, it said on the screen, all charges against Tayshawn were dropped. <laughs> or Jim, pick a fucking name. <laughs> Let's be honest, there's no Jims on the show. I've seen every episode. And none star with, hey, Bryce, can we talk to you for a second, man? Where were you last Friday? I was over at Tanner's house. And then Skylar had a party, so we went over there. And then we picked up Connor and we had pancakes. Sorry, bro. Good detective, bro, bro. And just when I thought I'd done the stupidest thing a man could do, I surpassed it. I took my wife deer hunting. Big mistake. I should have known there was gonna be trouble. We're driving out to where we're gonna go hunting and we're passing these deer crossing signs. And my wife, who's the smartest person I've ever met in my life, literally said, why do they put those out there? Deer can't read. <laughs> no, but they do recognize pictures of themselves. Here's your sign. Let me set the scene for you. I got on camouflage pants. I got on a camouflage jacket. I got camouflage paint on my face. 
I have got a 1997 30-06 with a laser scope. She is in a yellow jogging suit, white tennis shoes, and she brought her purse. I'm here to kill a deer. She's going to take it shopping. Now, let me clarify something here. I'm not just a weekend bush hunter. I study deer. I know for a fact that there are over 60 different types of deer on this great earth of ours. One of them is called the Munt Jackets in Southeast Asia. It stands 20 inches high at the shoulders. It has no antlers, and when it gets scared, it gets real skittish. Where I'm from, that's a poodle. <laughs> I know that there are basically three ways to hunt a deer. You can do the stalk. That's where you get on your feet, and you walk, and you try to sneak up on that buck of your choice. There is the stand hunt. That's where you sit in a tree, and you wait for that buck to walk underneath you. There's the drive hunt. That's where you hit a deer with your truck. <laughs> For those of you taking notes, the third one's the easiest. So my wife and I are up in the deer stand, and any you hunters out there, you know what I'm talking about. It's the perfect time of day. It's still morning. It's dark. It's cold. You're making steam with your breath. Off in the distance, a turkey gobbles as he wakes up for the morning. In the distance, a squirrel scampers through the dead leaves. It's the perfect time of day. It's quiet. Kinda. Because in the darkness, I keep hearing this. <sighs> what are we doing? We're, uh, we're waiting for the deer to show up, Francis. Okay. show up. I, uh, I don't know. They didn't return the phone call to set up the meeting. Now, please be quiet. There's a coffee can. Here's a wake-up call. The sun has come up, and in the clearing stands a buck. If he's 10 points, he's 15, and I'm just... Thank you, God. You are on the wall. And this is what I hear. Oh, isn't he cute? He looks like Bambi's dad. Remember when we saw the movie with the kids? Yes, I remember the movie. It was a cartoon. Now, shut up. Well, you're not going to shoot him, are you? What do you think I brought this gun for? Protection? You think that deer might run up this tree and rob us? She freaks. She starts going, run, deer, run, run, run. It's the only time in my life I've ever heard a deer laugh at me. God bless you. Thank you very much for your laughter tonight. Good night.
now streaming exclusively on BET Plus. Martin the so you're on the brain, right? You're hanging out, picking your butthole. I don't know what you're doing over there, but you're loving it. I know you are. We got all kinds of people from all over the world. I'm going to let you know while this thing's going in the background. Let me just go ahead and recite all the countries that are listening in right now. We love you. Brainwash Radio does. We're going to start from the bottom, the 1%. Hey, one percenters, what's up? Coke We're gonna go with a sixty-eight percent are female. Oh, what's up? Thirty-one percent are male. Non-specified one percent. We're not gonna go with the demographics of the audience age. We're gonna go with Austria. We love you. Saudi Arabia, we love you. Puerto Rico, we love you. Egypt, we love you. Peru, we love you. Italy, we love you. Portugal, we love you. Trinidad and Tobago, we love you. Malaysia, we love you. Bolivia, we love you. Belgium, we love you. Valerius, Valerius, brain fart. We love you. Kenya, we love you. Mexico, we love you. Autole, Macedonia, we love you. Luxembourg, we love you. Turkey, we love you. I'm smoking some uh, I'm Turkish blend, actually. Um, North stopped. Macedonia, we love you. Ukraine, we love you. Thank you for now, tuning in. I hope you guys travel, are okay over there. Well Safe. No bombs dropping over your head. Oh. Man, get better. Greece, we love you. Obviously. Netherlands, we love you. Ireland, we love you. Fighting Irish, what's up? Brazil, we love you. All that freaking lovely amethyst crystals. Japan, we love you. Sweden, we love you. Philippines, we love you. Canada, we love you. France, we love you. Australia, we love you. Norway, we love you. Oh, India, we love you. Germany, we love you. United Kingdom. And of course, so us, the Americanos, United States of America, let's get back. And that's what it is. A JetBlue flight is a long distraction, and it's beautiful. You sit down, there's a screen in front of you. They pipe the shittiest TV shows they can find. It's all the VH1, you know, Flavor of Love, Rock of Love, Brooke Knows Best, it's horrible. And then there's a woman with a wicker basket, and she walks around, and the basket is filled with sugar, salt and chocolate and they tamp that down your throat with a chimney sweeps brush by the time you land your iq just has dropped so low that you're just enchanted to a bit in the air like your friends on the ground are like you flew chip that must have sucked and you go no because we went in the sky like superman and the basket lady was there i had cookies and on tv the whores were punching And JetBlue brought back something that I'd forgotten that I missed, and that's the live safety demonstration, where the stewardess has to actually stand up and say, your seatbelt fastens like this, your cushion floats, you have a tube that comes down with oxygen, you can breathe through the tube. See how dead my face is right now? That's her subtle way of saying, none of this will save you. Do you understand me? None of this shit will save you. That should be the safety announcement, by the way. It should be like, hi, welcome to JetBlue, flight 354. We'll be flying from Burbank to JFK, cruising in an altitude of 40,000 feet for five hours and 50 minutes. If anything goes wrong, you're dead. You understand? You are fucking dead. This many people in a metal tube in the sky, this should not be happening. This is against science and God. So strap in, 
and let's pee in God's face for five hours and dare him to kill us for five hours. And we do this a hundred times a day. A hundred times a day. I'm going to give everybody 45 seconds to leave the plane. I'd leave too if I heard what I just said. Nobody. Wow, we got a bunch of Vikings here today. Bolt that door. Today's a good day to die, Valhalla. Who wants some blue potato chips? The other airlines still show you a video. They make a safety video. That thing is so unnerving because it takes place on this eerie alternate earth where everyone is, the again, the men are wearing suits and the women have clearly bathed and put on makeup. And you're like, where the fuck is this happening? And everyone's calm and helpful. That's the creepiest part. At one point in the video, the masks come down and everyone's reaction is, oh my, a mask full of the life-giving oxygen I so often take for granted. I should calmly affix that over my mouth and continue doing my Sudoku puzzle. <laughs> Do you know what it means when the masks come down? There's a hole in the plane! Holy shit! If the mask came down in real life, you'd be elbowing the throats of everyone around you, grabbing as many masks as you can. Mouth, ears, eyes. I'm the king of breathing! I've never done anything smart, calm, or helpful on a plane, ever. Ever! I want to, but you're just like, and I'm, I'll do this on the way home, too. I've done this every flight. You're flying along, and the plane shakes. There's turbulence. So here's what I do when the plane shakes, and there's turbulence. Oh, I better look out the window and see what's going on out here, because I, uh, I am most definitely the master of my fate, and I do not just take life for granted. I will very proactive. I'll step up, and if there's anything I can do. There's nothing to see and nothing you can do. That's the one time in life you don't need to do anything. There's literally nothing you can do. And by the way, what if there was something to see? What if the plane shook, you looked out the window, and a pterodactyl was just banging against the side of the plane? Up, oh, pterodactyl, I gotta go out in the wing. Guys, give me, it's over too quick if I use the nunchucks. Give me, give me three throwing stars and a blindfold. And then, <laughs> if the plane crashes and you live, you won't, they pop, the door off the side and they inflate the my special day at Chuck E. Cheese fun slide to go down. So I just, there's no dignity in this at all for me, is there? A slide? God damn it. I just fell 40,000 feet out of the sky in a metal tube filled with jet fuel and I lived. Let me jump off this thing like a green beret. Come on, let me just have some dignity here. I don't need a, I don't need a slide. I've got an archangel looking after me with a sword made of unbaptized babies. Let me go fight tribe and expose magicians.
See, when it comes to technology, my wife and I laugh about this because we're in our mid-50s and my wife says we are the baloney in the technology baloney sandwich. We're right in the middle because our parents can't text and our children can't write. <laughs> my kids don't even think you need to study. They're like, Dad, if you want to know something, you just Google it. And to a point, they're right. I mean, when I was growing up, if you were watching TV and somebody said, what was that guy in? You'd go, well, he looks familiar. That was it. <laughs> now you're watching TV, somebody goes, what was that guy in? Somebody goes, he was the janitor on Joey. <laughs> of course he was. But I try to tell my kids, I said, yeah, there's a lot of stuff you can learn from Google. I said, but there's just as much stuff you can't learn from Google. You only learn it from life experience. You'll usually learn most of it the hard way. It's stuff that's not Googleable. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. But I call them the facts of life. It's stuff you can't Google. Like this, fact of life. If you are trying to get to the bathroom in an emergency situation, it is not a wise idea to unbutton your pants in transit trying to save a couple of seconds. Because the muscles that guard the floodgates will interpret the unbuttoning as the signal to abandon their post. And the two seconds you saved on the button are nullified by the hour and a half you spend mopping and doing laundry. You only learn that the hard way. Fact of life, out of all the cereals, Captain Crunch is the most time intensive. Here's what I'm talking about. You eat it too soon after you pour the milk on and you will rip the roof of your mouth to shreds. You wait too long after you pour the milk on and the captain will put a film on your teeth a wire brush can't get rid of. Fact of life, you can have a wife with long, beautiful hair or you can be on time. Fact of life, if a cable or satellite company promises you something for free, in six months, you are going to get a bill that looks like Ron White's bar tab. <laughs> Fact of life, it takes more than two people to play the Who Farted game. Well, if there's only two of you, you know the truth and they know the truth. And speaking of which, how come anytime you just try to sneak one out, as soon as you let it go, somebody walks right into it. You could feel it brewing, you could get on a plane, fly to South America, go to the Arctic Circle, get on a dog sled 300 miles to the South Pole, look around, not a living thing in sight, soon as you let it go. Hey Jeff, are these your car keys? Ah! Oh my God, what'd you eat, dog food? Ah, it's in my mouth, it's in my mouth, ah! Fact of life, if you are going to see a scary movie at the movie theater, it will be much more entertaining if you can find a seat directly behind a group of black women. Because not only will you get the scary movie, you will also get their running commentary of the scary movie. Oh, look at this, she running around in her panties like that girl, put some drawers on. 
and put that hair up before he snatched that weave out your head. Now, can you see this girlfriend? She going back in the house. No, she going down to the basement. Girl, get your shit and get out there now. Fact of life. If your wife hints, she might be in the mood. Your kids will sense it and won't go to bed for three years. <laughs> Talking about kids, back to life. The more kids you have, the worse your parenting becomes. People that only have one child are making homemade baby food out of organic vegetables they're growing in their own backyard. Yeah, by the time that four child rolls around, you're smoking a cigarette while you watch your toddler pull a year-old milk dud out from under the stove and eat it. Pick the cat hair off of it before you put it in your mouth. Come on. Fact of life, out of all the dinosaurs, the Tyrannosaurus Rex was the meanest because his arms were too short to reach his wiener. That is a medically proven fact. That will make you angry. And you'll never watch Jurassic Park the same way again. Fact of life, if you're driving down the interstate and you come up behind that old pickup truck that has like 13 wooden pallets stacked in the back and they're held together by like two ratty bungee cords, we all say the same prayer. Dear God, do not let those bungee cords break until I get around this guy. What happens to them, we don't really worry about, but I need to get around Fact of life, when your kids go off to college, you need to be concerned about the excessive drinking, the wild sex, the sleeping till noon, and you need to worry your kids might be doing the same thing. Fact of life, 100% of the black men that shave their heads look really cool. 50% of the white guys that shave their heads look like they just murdered their parents. And you're thinking of somebody right now, aren't you? Fact of life, flying on an airplane makes you gassy. Nobody ever talks about this. Nobody ever acknowledges this. We just take our little roll around suitcase and walk to baggage claim, popping them off like a trail horse. Okay, let me tell you what makes me feel better. When I write this stuff, I don't know if it's just me or not. But when you laugh like that and start punching each other, I know there's others in the club. And I think that's why TSA is always in such a bad mood, by the way. Fact of life, if you wake yourself up with a snore, the first thing you do is look around to see who's laughing at you.
fact of life, you'll listen much more closely to a butt dial than you will an actual phone call. When somebody butt dials me, I will stay on the phone like 10 or 15 minutes trying to catch them doing something. It's only paid off one time. I got a buddy named Perk. He's a carpenter. He wears this phone on a clip on his belt. So anytime he puts his hands on his hips, he butt dials somebody. So one day Perk butt dials me and I don't have anything to do. So I'm just listening to him. I can hear him walking around and, and, and I hear a door open and I hear a door close. Well, then I hear a lid go up. Being the mature adult I am, I go running down the hall. I find my wife. I'm like, perch peeing, perch peeing, perch peeing. Put it on speakerphone. Me and my wife sit there and listen to my buddy urinate. Halfway through it, we heard. <laughs> my wife starts laughing so hard, she wet her pants, which I think is God's way of saying, verily, verily, do not listen to thee that butt dial ye. <laughs> Fact of life, when your wife or girlfriend gets tipsy, there is a very fine line between her talking dirty to you and sleeping like a hibernating bear. And by fine line, I mean about half a sip. Oh, you wait till we get home tonight, mister. I'm gonna tear you up. And once she crosses the line, you ain't getting her back. It's like the paramedics putting the paddle on a body with no head. You're wasting your time. Baby, wake up for like one minute. One minute, please. That's so terrible. Coke You're on the brain. There's though. nothing better than the beach for summer. For adult. From low key. Broad-minded motherfuckers only. So never distribute to 100 days of or go to minors whatsoever. Thank you so much. How we got to doing all right? Let's get back to it. Did you know that the Alexa, average person... Volume 7. Here. With 329 million people in the U.S., that comes out to 32,900,000 tons. That's heavy stuff. But here's one way you can help. Easy Dose Ultra Concentrated Laundry Detergent from 7th Generation. It uses 50% less plastic than a classic detergent bottle, but still cleans 66 loads. So you get half the size, half the plastic, and all the clean. Shop now for Easy Dose on Amazon. How you doing, man? Sorry, sorry. I want to start out let you know I know I'm white. I just want to tell you that I'm one of the few white dudes left who actually knows that. You know what I mean? Seriously, man, I don't know what the hell happened to my people. You know? It's like nobody wants to be white anymore. I'm like the only dude left keeping it real, you know? Seriously, you know? Like, you know, I love I love all these white kids now. who are like all walking around trying to act like they're like gangster rappers now because they got like a couple of Tupac CDs, you know? It's, ridiculous. it's like everywhere I go, man, I'll be like in the middle of Kansas, right? There'll be some howdy doody looking white kid like me, you know? I think he's gonna be like talking like me. All of a sudden, he's just like, "Yo, what's up, kid?" He's like, "What's up, kid?" Just wanna be like, nothing much, Brad. You know, how's the corn? Are you keeping it real in Wichita? 
Is that what you're doing? You're representing Topeka, son? Keeping it real on your tractor. <laughs> I know the brand, right? Gangster, like the middle of Nebraska. This is American uh, comedy, by the way. What do you be like all hardcore about your crop? You know, just trying to make it sound crazy. Like, Yo, think you're crazy, I'm saying. Clothes are rolling, scarecrows tipping over, you know what I'm saying, son? I'm telling you, man, some of my people should not be allowed to listen to rap music. You know, they can't handle it. You know, it's like it confuses them. I, you know, I don't know what it is. You know, it's like I listen to this stuff, but like when I'm done listening to it, I like maintain my whiteness, you know? I'm still me. I don't walk away all confused thinking I'm like Biggie Smalls or something. I mean, I listen to Irish music and I want to be like, I ain't even in a call. Top of the morning to your latte. Just want to walk up to those things, just be like, dude, you're white. You know, what's the problem? Health insurance, job opportunity. What the hell are you running from? It's a great gig. I'll tell you though, man, they're not the most embarrassing though out of all my people, you know? You know like the dumbest of the dumb or white people are? Has to be white supremacist, man. Seriously. You know what I mean? I'm serious, man. They're actually, I swear to God, they're, they're like dumber than the Klan, you know? Which I didn't think was possible. But you got to give it up to the Klan, because at least the Klan has the brains to be like, well, maybe we should put some sheets over our heads. Take them off and go out there. You know? At least you have the brains to know that you got to wear a disguise. You know on a certain level you're doing something a little screwed up, right? Somewhere in your head you know you're wrong, right? But I'm sitting there in Texas watching the TV. One of those white supremacists comes on TV. They don't even care, man. They just stand around right in the open just going, what power? As they say, what power? Then they always drive away like the biggest piece of crap you ever seen in your life. Like, no idea how dumb they look. Like some rusted out pickup boy. What power? I've come from a superior race, buddy. Clan, give me a jump. Come on. Crap. It's true, man. They're just mad because they're broke. I heard you gaming earlier. It's true, man. You know, I'll tell you, you know what? It sucks being a broke white guy, too. It does. You know why? Because nobody cares. I'm serious, man. There is no sympathy for a broke white guy. There's no sympathy. There's no telethons. There's no groups trying to hook you up. Nobody cares. I don't even care. Seriously, when I'm down the village and some white kid asks me for a quarter, I'm always just like, dude, get the hell out of here. It's like you're white. The whole deal set up for you. <laughs> Good morning, Vietnam! Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll. Time to rock it from the Delta to the DMZ. Is that me or does that sound like an Elvis Presley movie? Viva Da Nang. Oh, Viva Da Nang. Da Nang me, Da Nang me. Why don't they get a rope and hang me? Hey, is this a little too early for being that loud? Hey, too late. It's 0600. What's the O stand rope for? And hang oh, em, my huh? God, it's early. Speaking of early. Picture a man going on a journey beyond sight and sound. 
he's left Crete. He's entered the demilitarized zone. What is a demilitarized zone? Sounds like something out of the Wizard of Oz. Oh no, don't go in there. Oh he oh oh Jimmy. Oh, no, no, Hanoi, 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 Oh, Hannah, you slut. You've been on everything but the Titanic. Stop it right now. Ah, I'm melting! <laughs> My pretty oh. But hey, here's some little advice. Don't eat at a restaurant located next to a pound. So let's check in the field now. Hey, uh, hi, can you help me? What's your name? My name's Roosevelt Lee Roosevelt. Roosevelt, what town are you stationed in? I'm stationed in Poontang. Well, <laughs> thank you, Roosevelt. What's the weather like out there? It's hot. Damn hot. Real hot. Hot of this is my shorts. I can cook things in it. Little crotch pot cooking. Well, can you tell me what it feels like? Foo, what is hot? I told you again. Were you born on the sun? It's damn hot. You can be a little thing. I saw it so damn hot. I saw one of those little guys in the orange row burst into flames. It's that hot. You know what I'm talking about. What do you think it's going to be like tonight? It's going to be hot and wet. That's nice if you're with a lady, but it ain't no good if you're in the jungle. Thank you, Roosevelt. Here's a song coming your way right now. Nowhere to Run To by Martha and the Vandellas. Yes. Here's the biggest reason I would never want to have a kid, because I will never again, uh, on my own, or even insist, uh, assist on installing a car seat. I don't know. Here's a few helpful hints. Take the whole day off work, because that's how long it's going to take you. Whatever your favorite alcohol is, have a bucket of it next to that minivan because you're going to stop and have to take drinks and reread things. If you're over the age of, oh, I'd say 30, at some point you're going to become infuriated with Ralph Nader because he's the one who started it all. I remember being in grade school and he was on 60 Minutes. Seatbelts. Everybody must have a seatbelt car. Seat, seatbelt. Safety is for life. Head injuries are also for life. I have statistics. Well, maybe you do, Ralph. I'm sure you do, but so do I. There were seven of us, Ralph, for 16 years. We rode around in the back of a station wagon, completely untethered, completely. <laughs> and we were in accidents, a lot of them, especially if my mom was driving. We Sometimes we got hit so hard, I actually flew to a better seat than I had originally secured. Who's got the window now? That's right. And that was with my parents chain smoking in the car. Both of them. It was so smoky in that car. You could barely see other passengers, seriously. The way, way back was like Studio 54 because the sun would hit the smoke and create patterns and then I would draw patterns within the pattern because I didn't have an iPad, so that's what I would do to entertain my <laughs> If you're a woman and you're gonna install a car seat, I would highly suggest you put on a sports bra because you're gonna get hot. You're gonna be so hot. You're gonna start inadvertently just tearing off pieces of clothing. And if you're not careful, you'll end up like I did in my sister's driveway in my regular bra, just drinking a beer, staring off into space. And the normally very friendly neighbors came home trying to talk to him, but I don't know why they're being so weird. And I'm like, 
Hi guys, you know Yeah, no, I just came home. She had twins. I gotta, I gotta do two of these. I can't, can't figure it out. I'm so hot, so hot. I would offer you a beer, but I only have three left, and I've made no progress. So I just found notes on the back of there's factory notes that say if you don't know how to do this, you can take it to the police department or the fire department, and they'll install it for you. But unfortunately, I didn't find those notes till after I'd already started drinking. So I, I don't think it would be a good idea to drive to law enforcement and two car seats, and I don't even have any babies. I mean, it's just too much to explain, right? That's crazy. So this is what I was thinking. I was thinking I might set her car on fire. I'll call the fire department. And then after they put the car out, I go, hey, since you're all here, think you give me a hookup? <laughs> They're a pain in the ass, too, to put kids in them, especially in winter with the coats and 70,000 buckles and the whole thing. And the one, my brother's kid, I thought was big enough to not go in a car seat. And I said, do I got to do him, too? And she's just disgusted with my lack of any parenting knowledge. She goes, four foot ten, eighty pounds. What? That's Missouri State Law, Kathleen. If you're four foot ten or shorter, eighty pounds or less, you're in a car seat versus a ticket from the Missouri State Highway Patrol. I go, really, four ten? That is excellent news because right now I'm only five foot one. The average woman, due to osteoporosis, in your life, you have shrunk anywhere from two to five inches. I. I'm not certain I am bad at math, but I'm pretty sure that puts me back in a car seat. <laughs> I can't wait to be back in a car seat. All these nieces and nephews I have will be old enough to drive, and I'm gonna do exactly what they do. I'm gonna call them, say I need a ride, and then I'm gonna pack a big bag full of unnecessary, unrelated items that I have to have, or there is gonna be a meltdown. <laughs> Then, like the five and six-year-olds, I'm going to get in the van and walk on my own accord to the very back, very back seat. And I'm just going to hop up in it like they do and wait for the great buckling. Just sit there. <laughs> then I'm going to let them buckle me in. Then I'm going to let them pull away. And I'm going to wait till they drive where it's somewhere terribly inconvenient to pull over. And I'm going to start screaming from the back like they do. My buckle's too tight! I'm joking! I dropped my wine! You're on the ground, right? Ditch your overplayed playlist. We are done for this segment of comedy hour every wednesday at 5 p.m bitches on the brain
We gotta find out where the band's called. Let's check it out. Hold on a minute. Do 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 Hey, look, everything is stories is Mike Martinez. Right? right? Really? Huh? Okay, cool. Cool, so I produce this shit. That's cool. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the Okay, what res metal is? It's res metal. Reservation metal. Let's do it. Reservation metal, baby. My name is Kyle Felter. We're in Windrock, Arizona, my hometown, in a Hogan on my drummer's family's land. And this is basic dwelling of the Navajo that they used to you know, live in and culture-wise. And, and to me, a Hogan's the uh, best place to play metal. <laughs> I would like to record it here, you know? I think it would sound really tight. There's a lot of bands, heavy metal bands, on a Navajo reservation. And for some reason, this music, this subculture, seems to permeate with, with the youth. What res metal is, is uh, res is sort of a, an inside word for reservation. Our brand of metal is different than anybody else. And whether you grew up with it or, like myself, sort of tagged along with it and made it your own, it's blowing up. My mom, when I was in the womb, she would put headphones on and blast Metallica, Iron Maiden, Scorpions, Megadeth. And so, I, yeah, I guess I was, I came out a metalhead. I grew up, you know, listening to Iron Maiden. I love the album covers. It made sense. Oh, I just like dark imagery. Because, you know, it's not too great around here. It just takes you somewhere else. A lot of artists around here on the Navajo Nation, they, they, they write about what goes on. Um, the struggles and, you know, uh, experiences here on the reservation that a lot of people outside of the reservation don't know about. A lot of frustration, a lot of... Uh, a lot of boredom out here, I guess you could say, you know, you need to find some way to, somewhere to channel it and just something positive, you know. We grew up poor, you know, but it's just like letting out aggression and energy. If we didn't have that metal subculture, <laughs> there'd be a lot more dead people around here because people are angry and frustrated everywhere. But for us in this barren, I guess it's not a wasteland, it's really beautiful, but it's, it's depressing being here. Suicide rate is a big, the biggest killer around here. And on the reservation, and it comes in waves. I mean, I've lost a couple friends over the past few years to, you know, to suicide. And, uh, and it, it really sucks. And like, you don't even see it. There's like signs that you would see, but sometimes you don't see it. And yeah, 
Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. Growing up on the res is basically a constant struggle. There's no jobs. There's little to no opportunity. You have cultural roots um, that you grew up with, with your grandparents and your family, your parents. Before Western expansion, you know, we were we were all right. We took care of ourselves and we were very self-sufficient. But when we had to conform to Western culture, that's where everything pretty much went straight to hell after that for us. Like I'm not a activist or anything, but I'm aware of our history and I, I'm proud to be a Navajo. It's hard to balance that cultural heritage as well as trying to live in the 21st century. It's a constant struggle. If the cultural trauma passed down is what we play, how we feel, that anger, that aggression, growing our hair out. Just to find a, a safe haven for everybody, you know, just to get to a show of music, metal. And it does it for you. It possesses you. <laughs> like, that's why we do it. That's a lot of people do it. I know a lot of people, it's, it's changed their lives, it's saved their lives, and, and that's what keeps them going. reservation and the reservation is far apart and there's no venues so they host shows wherever they can whether it's in the middle of nowhere they can throw a show anywhere that diy mentality and attitude is one of the backbones to this to this res metal scene yeah diy you know do it yourself it's just really natural for us and it's always been that way. Even, you know, when we had our band going, we would make our own stage and, you know, put up a show. You know, that's, I think that was the enjoyment of doing things, you know. And it still is. You do it because you love it. So, you know, it doesn't matter how, if you have to build a stage or, you know, get a, a flatbed truck to use as your stage. Oh, the passion with these red shows, it's... It's remarkable. I think this is this is an underground phenomenon that the world needs to see. For me, I, I get I get into this mentality. I'm kind of you know just easy going guy, you know. But like when you get on stage and like you have that mic and everything is like loud and then, like, it just does something to you. It, like it switches it switches you on. And, like you, you're, I'm, I, I'm there to entertain you. I'm there to put on a show. I'm there to create a spectacle of myself, you know, because that's what it is. It's art. It's an art form. In around 1990, you know, you had death metal come along, so that kind of scared people, you know. Maybe that was the last time that you felt any kind of feelings about music you know kind of that dangerous attitude that rock stars talk about you know and when death metal came along black metal you know that kind of brought that spirit back because it wasn't just an act so the black metals really lived that life you know we were uh, more of embracing dark sides of our culture things that you're not supposed to talk about you know the, the black magic those kind of things get in a whole different state of mind than who we were before um just like you know if you were to put a mask on you know you put that mask on 
and nobody knows it's you, so you can be a whole different person. To to us, it it kind of like relates to um, Navajo culture as well, because uh, like in Navajo culture, there's um, like uh, witches. They're called Yenikoshi, uh, and they have something similar, like how the corpse paint looks, like it's black and white. And I think that's that's the reason why we use it as well. Just like Western cultures, you have your good and bad. Over here, it's the same too. We have our good and bad. Uh, the good, you know, there's traditional ceremonies, healing ceremonies. You know, you go to go see a medicine man, get healed, you know, spiritually. And then there's the opposite of that. There's people that are out there that want to hurt you. And then they'll paint their face using ash, and then they'll get blood, whatever, wipe it on their face, and just go out and conjure up their their spells and try and make the person that they're out to get make their life their own living hell. are doing like right now currently are trying to show people around here that metal's not all that bad especially here you know here on the reservation metal metal is really popular and just people don't see it because a lot of people like to advertise all the country shit it's frowned upon this is like country town mostly country music they don't play metal on local stations I have a lot of respect for all these bands you know we're, we're not out here to butt heads and say who's who's better than who it's just it's just one big family I'm grateful for my struggles that I've been through and you know I'm proud proud to be you know Native American and to be a Native American that plays metal as in the words of my cousin Ed, that you shut up and jam, and you gotta live fast and play fast.
What is going on ladies and gentlemen, AJ Good here at House of Masks. The mask channel you never wanted, but you have now. And you know, I get asked a lot if my life-size Michael Myers freaks me out, or Slappy the Dummy, any of these masks, if I ever just get scared walking through my house. And the answer is no. They never really catch me off guard. Maybe the first day or two that I haven't put up if I walk into the house and forget that they're there. But the mannequins and stuff themselves don't scare me. So what would freak me out if it's in my house? Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. There is a band from Australia with some of the freakiest imagery that I can remember seeing in my entire life. Genuine nightmare fuel. I made a post about this band recently on my Instagram and people lost their fucking minds. I'm still getting DMs and comments four or five days later thanking me for introducing people to this band. That band is Portal. Now, before I get into it with the band's imagery, I want to make it very clear that Portal is not for everybody. Their actual music is not for everyone. The music they play truly matches their imagery, and it makes for very hard listening. I can't even really place the band in any sort of genre aside from just metal in general because they don't have a sound. I imagine that their music is what it sounds like to be in hell. But enough of that, I'm not a music channel, I'm a mask channel, so let's talk about their look. While most of the band members just wear black cloth hoods, some have the eyes cut out, one of the guys even has a noose wrapped around his neck, the real main course here, the entree if you will, is the curator, the vocalist for the band. He's had many looks over the years and not one of them doesn't freak me out at least a little bit. So I'm gonna go ahead and put them in order real quick from my least favorite to my favorite and show you guys some images of them as we go. First up, my least favorite look, not to say that it's not a cool look, it's just my least favorite because his looks are so fucking scary, I have to place this one at the bottom, the dark pope. I do feel like this look is fucking rad, I just think that it's low on my list because the pope thing has been done so many times since then, most notably with Marilyn Manson and Ghost. I do believe that the curator did this look before Ghost ever happened, so I think that they had the Dark Pope before Papa was ever a thing. But with that being said, Ghost has gotten huge, so we have definitely seen an increase in Dark Popes on Instagram and Pinterest and just in the mainstream media of heavy metal or the mask world. But the curator did do the Dark Pope before Ghost, so suck on that. If you're not done with that, then we've just got two words for you. Next up, we have the witch hat. This is another faceless version. This look just features a massive witch-style hat that covers the entire head and face of the curator. How he sees, let alone sings through that, is beyond me because there really doesn't appear to be any sort of opening whatsoever. But the fact that it's just a shape covering a human head is really fucking freaky to me. There doesn't have to be a lot going on. It's just weird to look at. Next up, probably the most infamous look from the band is the clock head. Who the fuck wouldn't think that this is cool? I fucking love this look. It's actually second on my list. I believe that this was the first glimpse of Portal that I ever saw years and years ago in some sort of metal magazine. I can't really remember what it was, but I remember seeing a small article about them and the clock head in a small photo, and I immediately went home and looked them up. Once again, another faceless inanimate object in place of a human head. This look itself really embodies how I perceive Portal. I feel like the curator is an ever-changing being that just kind of floats through time and picks where he wants to come out and how he wants to come out. So he makes a physical embodiment out of a piece of time in history. Sometimes he's a medieval queen, sometimes he's a witch, sometimes he's a pope, or sometimes he is time himself, thus giving us the clock head. 
Now the clock head itself actually features a small infinity sign with an hourglass behind it, thus further proving my point or my theory there. And the fact that the band is called Portal means that this dude has a portal or is a portal or whatever. That's just how I see it. So maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm looking too far into it, but those just seem like coincidences that are way too cool not to be true. So I'm going to say that they're true. Side note, I would really... Support yourself and 